Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, indeed. Brought to us by every week, as a matter of fact, by our friends at By the Yard, By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. We're thankful for uh, that great CCO Land Company for making this show possible. Denny Long here with Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener. Teresa, good to see you again. And good to see you. You and I were talking uh, off the air before the show started about... How could this be August I know, already? I know August, almost State Fair. State Fair time. Oh my heavens! And you, uh, you'll be busy there too. I'll be won't busy. You? I'll be over at the Dirt Stage a few times. The Dirt Stage. Dirt I like stage, that. Dirt Stage. Talking about <laughs> gardening and pets or animals. And, and your so. colleagues will be joining us uh, they will. both uh, Saturdays yep. at uh, at our broadcast. Center yes, there. so you'll yeah. be well taken care of. As we always are. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it. Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener, is answering your questions both by phone and by text. Uh, we're already starting to get uh, text messages uh, for you, Teresa. But let me open up the phone lines. If you have and know this, this uh, if you are familiar with the show, you know how busy we get. Uh, 651-989-9226. So don't wait. Give us a call. 651-989-9226. Or if you like, send us a text at 81807 if that's uh, easier for you. 81807. Texter says this, Teresa, is it too late to plant green beans and what other things can still be planted? Oh, it's a wonderful time to Is plant it? green beans. Sure. Like what, for instance? Um, you could do any of your lettuces and try some Swiss chard and some spinach and things like that. The things that you would have planted in the spring, you can try those again in the fall. You know, you can do some radishes. You can do all kinds of good stuff. So there's so still time. There's still time. Just look at your window and the things that like it, the the cool weather crops, will be able to take those cool fall days and nights because they can handle a little bit of frost. I remember you were answering a question I had. This was last time you paid a visit here. This is off the air. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about transplanting, still am, a boxwood. Yes. But there was a, a procedure you said to kind of... Like a root pruning. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. explain that to, to our listeners. Um, what you do is you figure out how big of an area you're going to move when you want to move it. So, so then you just take your shovel and you just cut straight down all the way around the plant. You don't go under, you just cut. So you're so what, slicing the you're roots. You're slicing the roots. And what happens is when you slice those roots, they then create um, feeder roots inside the slice. So it's like they're now in a container. Oh. So they're building up all these nice feeder roots for you. So then when you're ready, and you do that the season before you're going to transplant well, The season them. before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So then, then then when you're going to transplant, you, you make your other hole and get it all ready in your other area. And then you cut again and then lift the plant out. And it has all these great feeder roots inside. Hmm. So it's like almost like a container-grown plant then. Because otherwise, when you just cut the roots... The feeder roots are on the outside of the cut, and the plant no longer has access to them. Oh. So then it is a little struggling. That's why transplants always need them. You still want to take care of so them. So you can't do it in the same year then? Yeah, yeah, the you same could. year. Like you do it in either spring or summer if you're doing it in the fall. And if you're doing it next spring, then you'd cut them in the fall. 
Okay. So the season right. before. Like, I see. Yeah. That, that's, that's Not the year before, it. just the season, the season before. before. Okay. Or the year before if you're doing spring to fall. All right. Let's go to the phones. I see a line open, 651-989-9226. Chris is calling from Brooklyn Park. Chris, you're on with Teresa. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Hi. Um, this spring, I planted uh, tuxedo wagilia. Yes. And I'd say approximately, excuse me, three weeks to a month ago, they were looking awesome. They were looking gorgeous. And all of a sudden, from the bottom up, they're losing their leaves and all, and interior of the plant itself just thinned out severely. Hmm. Um, and I've got leaves that are, are curling up and turning brown. They've lost their purple color. There's a lot of green, and it's still getting partial bloom. And, mm-hmm. But they've, thun- they've thinned out so bad that I'm trying to figure out what's going on now. Okay. I'll, it- give you, I'll give you a little update what I've done. Okay. Unfortunately... I think I over fertilized. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been given a, a miracle growth. Okay. Um, you know your, your general. Mm-hmm. And you've been doing it regular strength or or half strength? Uh, it's been getting fed miracle growth probably five or six times in the last three weeks. Okay, that's kind of a lot. Um, just we'll just stop doing that. Uh, just make sure it stays water. Is it in a full sunny area? They do best in full sun. Yep, it's in full sun. Okay. Kind of a, a sandy soil. Okay. Um, make sure it stays like... watered. And you did no. This is, don't don't take offense. You did take it out of the container when you planted it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Some people yeah. forget to do that, and and I just want to make sure. Okay. Um. So so everything's fine. Um. I would just n- don't do any more fertilizing. Actually, you shouldn't be fertilizing any more of your plants anyway, except your annuals. Um. Yeah, you, so you don't need to fertilize anybody out there. No trees, shrubs, nothing anymore. Um. So so do try that. Just back off on the don't no more fertilizing. Um. Protect it from bunnies in the winter time. So get your get your chicken wire up in you know September October. And just keep it well watered until the ground freezes. So as far as shrubs and plants, no more fertilizer this right, right. season, this and year. Anything annuals and your vegetables, you can still fertilize. But lawns are good for, that's lawns, a re- really good lawns in the fall. Will, right? Lawns will, if you yeah. only want to fertilize one time, that's um, late time August, early September is the best time to do that. Very good. All right, Chris, thank you. Jim luck, in uh, Webster, Minnesota is calling. And Jim, you're on with Teresa here on CCO. Hi, Jim. Hi, Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, I've had some problems with some burr oak trees in my yard. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had an arborist out, and I've got several issues going on. But one of the things he suggested was a treatment called C20. Are you familiar with that? I have never heard of that. No. What okay. What is he trying to do? Well, I've got uh, burr oak blight, and I've also got those uh, some type of a boar, chestnut boar, Oh, okay. mm-hmm. a couple of different things, mm-hmm. but I think he said with this C20 treatment to boost the trees to make them not so stressed. This is some type of a product that you put around the base of the tree mm. to kind of boost it. But uh, I had never heard of it before, and that's kind of why I called in. No, I've and, never heard of that. Okay. Um, I would suggest possibly going to extension.umn.edu. And okay. and look and see if there's anything there. Uh, I'm not. I think some of the oaks, you know, they're a little sensitive to pH, and I don't know if that C20 has something to do with lowering the pH. I'm not sure. I don't know what that product does. Okay. Good luck. Thank I'm, you, Jim. I'm sorry, I couldn't help you with that. Tell you what, we have more callers, uh, Teresa, and texters too. In fact, uh, let's grab a text before okay. we break. Marty in Waconia said, "Can I split hostas now?" 
Sure. It, it's okay to split them. Um, you know, hot weather is not the best time to be dividing plants. Uh, we've got a cool stretch. You can do it now. Otherwise, just wait till toward the end of August. Hostas are pretty hardy. You can do them just they are, any time. They are, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Texter says, knocking Japanese beetles in soap water is fun, but not very effective at controlling large numbers. I have a 12-foot-long grape arbor, which I go over four times a day. Yeah, They're decimating mm-hmm. the grape leaves, also infecting two large trees, uh, Linden, I believe, yep, in Linden's. large numbers. Yeah, That comes from Doug in Blaine. Yeah. A lot of... Big There's issue a this lot year. of Japanese beetles this year. Um, what you can do is is pray for a really hard winter that knocks back the grubs and a late a late frost that knocks back the beetles. Um, that's not really good for the rest of our crops, though. Uh, you have to start this stuff early, so you can't wait till you see a lot of the population and start knocking them. Oh, you can. It's just it's just you're always playing catch up. So next year, there's not much you can do. Just make sure your plants aren't as stressed. You do whatever you can to keep them not stressed. And then next year, be a little more proactive. Get out there before you see the beetles. Get the very first beetles and knock them in. Knock that population back early. Um, and then do go to extension.umn.edu. They have a great four-page article. I know it sounds like a lot, but it's not really. There's pictures and things. So go and read when to treat for grubs and what you can what you can use on the beetles. And remember, when you're using chemicals on the beetles, you're also impacting our pollinators. What is the website again, Teresa? Extension.umn.edu. Okay, very good. Quick break ahead here, and we've got callers and textures we're going to get back to in just a moment. Mostly cloudy skies. We're going to be in the upper 70s today, 61 degrees right now here on CCO. And good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Smart Garden Show. Teresa Rooney, our master gardener helper here, is with us in studio helping you out. And uh, here's the phone line, 651-989-9226. If you'd rather send us a text, Eight one eight zero seven. Let's go. With Teresa Jane is calling from, I think, Spring Lake Park. Hi, Jane. Hi, Jane. Hi. How can we help you? I am looking out of my window. I'm part of an association that has a lot of what I call globe arborvitae, mm-hmm. which are about twenty years old and probably should be replaced with something else. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you have any suggestions of what we might use instead, preferably something with relatively low maintenance. All right. Um, Is it sunny or shady? Um, Well, there's some of each. Okay. There's a number of houses involved. All right. And how big are you wanting these plants to be? Um, Well, some of the ones we have now I've gotten to be about uh, four or five feet across, and that's too big. Okay. All right. So you need smaller plants. And you yep. don't want to do, and are you looking for evergreens or are you looking for um, deciduous plants or a mix? Um, I'm any, anything that you would recommend. Okay. All right. Um, first of all, I, I would also consider um, going to the extension.umn.edu. They have a connection to the Sullis site, the Suburban Urban Landscape, something sustainable or something, Sustainable Urban Landscape. Um, and, and they have really good ideas on there. There's a, there's thousands of plants with pictures and descriptions and everything else. Um, you could look for smaller arborvitaes. Uh, I would consider maybe doing a mix of plants. So you have some dogwood, some arborvitaes, um, maybe uh, some put in some uh, hydrangeas, some of the Annabelle hydrangeas. These are all fairly low-care plants. Um, the deer love the arborvitaes, so you'll have to consider that. If you have deer or rabbits, they like to eat those in the wintertime. Uh, but the dogwoods and the, and the um, um, 
Hydrangeas are usually okay. Those are those are some of your basic, very simple plants. Spirea always works, and you can trim those as you need to. But look at the full size of the plant and try to get dwarf arborvitaes or the very tiny ones because otherwise you're really fighting for um for the for the size, and you don't want to have to be pruning all the time. All right, very good. Good, good luck. luck, Jane. Uh, Pete is calling from Otsego. Pete, you're on with Teresa. Hi, Pete. Hi. Uh, I'll tell you what, my yard uh, hasn't looked very good this year, and I fertilize and do what I normally do. And the wife suggested maybe because last year I had 10 uh, mallard ducklings that I bought when they were a day old and, and kept them, uh, you know, for two, three months. Mm-hmm. And I kept on moving them around the yard, and they they have a lot of droppings. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it possible that I have to put lime down? No, I, I don't think that would that would be the problem. You would have seen the fertilizer burns last year if that would have been the issue. Um, I think because you move them around so much, that's not going to be a problem. They may have impacted some. They like to graze on the on the on the um, uh, grass, so that may have had some impact. Um, I would just consider also going to the extension.uman.edu site and looking to see what Sam has said about some of the plants. There's great turf articles in there. But make sure you're mowing your grass high. Mow it up like three inches if you possibly can. So it gets up to four, you bring it back down to three. Um, water if you need to. Uh, you may not need to water. We've had a really nice year this so, so far. Uh, and then if you need any kind of remedial work, fall is the great time to do that. So overseeding is good in the fall. The fall fertilizer is good. And um, and if you need to do some uh, dethatching or something like that, that works well. In I'm going to be doing some aeration this yep, fall. Yep, aeration is yeah. good. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. So you wouldn't want to do all of those things in the fall. You need to figure out what would really impact and, and be the best thing to do in the fall. All right. I don't want to forget the textures either. Here's one, uh, Teresa says, bee balm is past full bloom, mm-hmm. but don't want to cut back because birds seem to like the seeds. They do. But if I cut back, would I get more blooms? No. No, no more bloom. It's going to bloom one time. What you can do next year, though, is with your big batch of bee balm, um, trim the outside, like part of the clump, down by half by the 4th of July. So you have like a stair step area. And so those will bloom at a different time than the tall ones. So then you can extend your bloom and have more blooms. All right. Barbara is calling from Minneapolis with a question. Barbara, you're on with Teresa. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Anna. I've got a couple of sad stories. Oh, no. I have a beautiful magnolia tree I've had for years. Mm -hmm. It's full of scale. Mm -hmm. And I think my only option is to cut it down. I'm not sure. My neighbor has raspberries that Mm -hmm. are just a few feet away. Mm -hmm. If I do any kind of... Um, getting rid of, <laughs> I guess things follow the the runners on those plants, and it'll kill. You know, they'll get poisoned too. Mm-hmm. Any kind of treatment um, of any of any kind. So what you want to think about is, um, this, you can't scale this tough on magnolias. Yeah, um, you can use a systemic, and that will stay in the plant. Um, so you don't have to worry about about it translocating. I would, of course, read the instructions to make sure it says, unless it says, you know, don't use it within 20 feet of edible crops, then you obviously would not want to use that systemic. But I would read the entire label, all 4,000 pages of it, to make sure it doesn't say anything like that. <laughs> okay. um, but, yeah, scale is really tough on magnolias, yeah. and we're seeing an uptick in that, uptick in that, yeah. All right. Let's see. Yes, let's just take another call before we break. Ed is calling from Bloomington. Ed, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi, Ed. Good morning. 
I've had trouble in my garden with tomatoes in the past couple of years with the leaves turning brown on the bottom and falling off. Mm-hmm. So this year I planted a celebrity in a large pot about two foot deep, two foot in diameter mm-hmm. on my deck. And it's, the plant itself looks good, but the tomatoes are turning brown on the bottom. I think yes. it's called blossom end rot. Blossom end rot, yep. Mm-hmm. I've got maybe 20 tomatoes about the size of ping pong balls on there, and they seem to be normal, but when they get just a little bit bigger, they get this black yep. on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what what happens? Can, what can um, okay, for the for the tomatoes in the ground with the with the 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 browning of the leaves. If when you as soon as you plant your tomatoes, if you put down a mulch, that will help some of that, and um, and then limb up the tomatoes a little bit um, to where that first flower is. Um, you you can remove some of those lower stems later in the season. Make sure you're um, tr- uh, moving your plants around. You don't want to grow the same things in the same spot every year. You want to do crop rotation. So with with pots of tomatoes, what happens is they the roots dry out or they get overwatered. So the feeder roots, those are those little tiny microscopic roots, they die. So there's so much calcium in the soil. We have plenty of calcium in our soil. Calcium is what's needed to make the tomato properly. There's Because we have less feeder roots, there's less roots to take up the calcium. So as the tomato makes the the the, 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 the tomato... The blossom is being created and the tomato is being created. It gets to the end of the tomato and it's just like it doesn't have enough, so it just kind of fudges it. You know, just kind of let's let's hope for the best. And then because there's not enough calcium there, the blossom you get blossom end rot. So you need even watering um, tomatoes that bloom later and fruit later. Smaller tomatoes, your your little tiny cherry tomatoes or your plum tomatoes. All of those will work. Um, otherwise, if you get blossom end rot, just chop off the icky part. Eat the rest, and it, um, as usual, if you're going to do any canning, you never can with any bruised or damaged fruit. So those would never be ones that you would can with. You eat those directly, or you could freeze them and then um, eat them later. Okay. Before we break, a texter wants to know what's the best time to move grapevines and raspberries. Ooh, grapevines are a little tricky. Um, I can't remember on grapevines. I, I would go to the extension site. Raspberries, you know, spring or fall would be good. Um, I'd probably do them in the spring. Okay. And do do that root pruning first and then do them in the spring. All right, we have to take our usual break, but we have another half hour of the show to go. So if you missed uh, joining uh, Teresa, asking Teresa your question by phone or text, we'll have the rest of the show to do that. So stand by, everybody on the line. Uh, and textures too, will pick up on those as well. Mostly cloudy skies. Now 61 is our current CCO temperature reading, heading for 79 later today. Cooler tomorrow, maybe about 73. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show, brought to us by By the Yard Outdoor Furniture, that local company. We'll talk about that in just a matter of minutes, we have some phone calls. Uh, Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener, we have uh, callers and texters. Not that that's unusual for no. you. <laughs> get that all the time. I'll tell you what, let's do this. Let's uh, talk to Dave, who's calling from Brooklyn Center. Go ahead, Dave. Hi, Dave. Yes, good morning. Um, question, impatience. Um, the past two years, uh, they start out beautifully, and then uh, it seems like a blight takes over, yep. and they... It start getting eaten off, and when it got home from vacation, they were gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There are there's a downy mildew out there, I believe it is on impatience, and um, it, it 
it came out of the trade a few years ago, and it just really knocked back all the impatience. I would suggest, yeah. if possible, either using the um, oh the other impatience, the the ones you can put in the sun uh, that that can oh, the take new guinea the new guineas. Thank you, I had okay. a brain blip there. Um, okay. Use those, or because the blight doesn't seem to in, impact them, or change up and just don't do impatience for three years. Try to do other things for three years uh, to to try to knock back some of the disease spores. Okay. Very good advice. Good luck. Thank you, Dave. Let's go to River Falls. I think Sue has been waiting there. Sue, you're on CCO with Teresa. Hi, Sue. Hi. Thank you. Um, this is the first time I've ever growing tea roses, mm-hmm. and they become long and lanky, mm-hmm. and they're getting small roses on the top. Mm-hmm. Is it too late? Do I need to cut them back to get bigger roses? And then do I have to water them more than once a week? And then when when do I cover them with straw for the winter, and can I cut them back real hard so I can use less straw? Okay. Those are all really good questions. I would also suggest you go to extension.umn.edu and look at um, the, the Minnesota tip method or putting cones over them or straw. And if you're going to use cones, use the paper mache ones. Um, you can cut them back. They'll, they'll, they, sh- they may or may not still bloom this year for you if you're cutting off the flowers, though. I think the size of the rose is the size of the rose. Um, it shouldn't change by how tall they're getting. They are heavy feeders, so you need to make sure they have a nice organic soil. Add some compost to manure once or twice a year, top dress to that. And um, and do keep them well watered. You don't want them to go kind of dry. So they need to stay fairly moist. So they don't need more than other roses, but they do need, they are they are a little intensive. Um, you'd want to cut them back. Uh, to, you can cut them back for your straw um, uh, application. Uh, you know, the Arb tips their roses October 15th and brings them up April 15th. That's an arbitrary date for them when they have their crews out there and people helping them. Um, you can just do it whenever we start getting the colder temps and you want to make sure that they're in the ground or that you've covered them really well before we get the first, before we the ground starts to freeze. All right. Good luck. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Dominic is calling from Plymouth. Dominic, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi, Dominic. Hello. Good morning. Hey, um... My my neighbor, who is very nice, by the way, um, was helping me out killing some weeds in my grass, and I've ended up with three, like, foot square dead patches that are just now, you know, it looks like it's just soil or maybe even sure. clay, and mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what is the best way to, you know, start to replant that, sure. and um, when to do it, and how do you identify what type of grass you have, because I've got, you know, a number of different types of grasses. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, you want to look at where the grass is going to be grown. Is it full sun or full shade or partial shade, partial sun? And then that's the kind of grass you want to look for. Full sun, you can use your Kentucky bluegrass mixes. And the shade, you can use the fescues. And if you want to mix those two, that's fine. Um, the fescue can take the full sun too. Uh, what you want to do is uh, double check with your neighbor what product they use because that will tell you when you can start replanting again. Sometimes it's right away. Sometimes you have to wait two or three weeks. It's not the best time of the year to replant grass because, grass seed now because it's really hot or it can be really hot. So when it starts to cool down, maybe this third week in August, the fourth week in August, just kind of rake up those areas a little bit. Put a little compost or manure in. Put your grass seed down. Make sure you have really good grass to or seed-to-soil connection, so you kind of press the, gra- the seed into the soil. 
keep it well watered. And then this year, unless you've had to mow that grass two or three times, you would not want to use a fertilizer on those areas, a winterizer. Um, so that, that's how you would handle that. But do go to the extension.umn.edu site. Sam Bauer has some excellent articles on how to take care of your lawn, when to reseed. And he has some good ideas about some of the grass mixes and, and the different types of names to look for. Um, you know, Kentucky Blue is a really heavy feeder. It takes a lot of work, a lot of feed, a lot of water. Fescue is a little easier to handle. They look a little different. The Kentucky Blue is, I don't know, our regular grasses, and the fescue is a little thinner. So hope that helps. And you mentioned the name Sam Bauer. Sam yes. is going to be with us at the fair, The mm-hmm. I think, the second yeah. Saturday of the fair with, so uh, with Julie. Sam so and Julie. If you have some specific yes. lawn questions, he's mm-hmm. uh, he's our turf guru. Yes, and if you have some really good grass questions, like ornamental grass yeah. questions, Mary Meyer is the grass whisperer. She'll be with us the first Saturday. Yes, yes, yeah. and she's she's um, she's um really uh, done a lot with the, with the Blue Heaven little blue stem, and then there's little skippers, the little butterflies. So if you want to talk about butterflies and grasses, Mary's your person. That'll be the first Saturday. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. fair, good deal. Uh, Texter says this, I have a new raised garden this year. I've planted radishes, and all I get is beautiful green leaves and no fruit. Yep. Any ideas? Yep. Um, if there's too much nitrogen in your soil, the radishes will just, they won't bulb out. If it gets too hot, radishes don't like hot weather. Hmm. Um, so so eat those greens. They're absolutely delicious. Use them in your salad. Oh. You can eat those. They're edible. And plant your radishes really early in the spring as soon as you can work your soil or do them as your, your final fall crop. Very good. Back to River Falls we go. Ginny has been waiting there. Ginny, uh, you're on with Teresa. Hi, Ginny. Hi, Teresa. I have a question on... A yucca plant, I would like to transplant. I have a yucca plant that's facing west, but it's in a shaded area, not doing as well as my ones planted in the on the south side. I would like to transplant it, but I don't know when. You know, I'd probably do your yucca now. Um, you, you know, and the reason I say that is because it's a hardier plant. It, it doesn't mind the hot, and I'd move it now. That will give it plenty of time to get adjusted and, and go into the winter. If you want to wait till the third week, fourth week in August, that's okay too. Um, but try to have it done at the latest by the second or third week in September. And that kind of goes for all the plants, second or third week in September for all transplants. I see a line is open if you want to phone in your question for Teresa. 651-989-9226. Tony is calling from Lindstrom. Tony, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi, Tony. Yeah. Hey, I have... We've had impatience forever. Mm-hmm. This year, they're just dead. Yep. And not not doing good. Mm-hmm. Is there a blight? Yep, or? yep. That's that, that's that downy mildew. I believe it's the downy mildew on impatience. Um, you know what you got to do because now you've got it in your soil. You've got it in your environment. I would just take out the impatience and then for the next three years, either plant New Guineas in that area, New Guinea impatience, or go with something else and, and, you know, change it up. I know people who love their impatience are sad, but but if we can break that disease cycle, it will help a lot. Here's a topic you and I were talking about and everybody's talking about. Vern in Richfield has a question. Go ahead, Vern. Hi, Vern. Yes. Um, you're this Japanese beetle. Yes. Thing. Now, I spray my apple trees with Stephen, mm-hmm. apple baggots. I have grapevines. I have raspberries and also blueberries that are all done, and they're in those. Mm-hmm. I was getting as many. 
out of two of them, three pounds a day yep. of Japanese beetles. But I spray them with Stephen, and that takes care of the grapevines and all of that. And um, two teaspoons is an ounce, and a half a gallon is an ounce and a half. Mm-hmm. A gallon on that would be um, four teaspoons or better. Yep. You know, the the seven does work. The, the, that product does work on the Japanese beetles. Um, just use it according to the instructions. It will take out our pollinators, too, so you've got to be careful on that. And make sure that you're timing it before the for the harvest of your crops because you do want, there is a certain time period that you want. Uh, you have to have a, a break between when you apply it. Um, and the beetle traps will bring more beetles to your yard than you would normally have. Oh. So the university is suggesting not using the beetle traps. If you have a large yard and the beetles are over in your raspberries and you're, it's not going to bother your neighbor, you if you want to use a trap, put the traps far away to draw the the traps the beetles away from the raspberries or the apple trees. But those vines, the, those products, are, I'm sorry, the plants that he just mentioned, apple trees, um, grapevines, uh, raspberries, lindens, roses, uh, Virginia creeper, those are some of the Japanese beetles' favorite, favorite foods. I wonder if this is the same thing. It probably is. Texter says, what kind of bug is defoliating the bean plants. They make holes in the leaves. They're sort of big and black and greenish. What should we put yeah, on them? If it's, you know, it's funny. If it's pole beans, it's probably Japanese beetles. Mm. They like the pole beans. They don't usually take The description off the, sounds like Japanese beetles. It sounds beetles. like Japanese beetles. Um, Handpick them. That's the best thing to do on your beans. All right, very good. Sue is calling from Brooklyn Park. Uh, Sue's on the phone. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. Hi, Sue. Um, I have a question on a Christmas cactus. Okay. I've had mine about 40 years, and it was my mom's before. Cool. Every year now I've been taking a little slip and rooting it and putting it outside. It Mm -hmm. does beautifully. Mm -hmm. But now the main plant is dropping so many of those segments, Mm -hmm. a lot of them are the older segments because they're thicker. Mm -hmm. What should I be doing? Um, Have you ever uh, transplanted it? No, never. Okay. You may want to think about that. Um, You could do it now. It's not the best time of year. Spring would be a little better for it. But you could do it, and not in a super big pot, but it it could be that there's some maybe root rock going on. Uh, There's the the pot just has run out of nutrition. So you want to carefully lift up the plant, see what those roots are doing. You'll find out it doesn't have a lot of roots. But if they're mushy, then you want to make sure it's not being overwatered. Um, give it from fresh, some fresh soil. Only go up one tiny pot size. You don't want to go up really okay. big. And um, and then don't feed it uh, until it starts actively growing again. 61 is our current temp heading for the upper 70s. We could get some showers later on this afternoon. Cooler tomorrow, too, by the way. 73 the high. Partly sunny earlier in the day, then mainly cloudy. Some more scattered showers tomorrow as well. We're in the midst of our Smart Garden Show. Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener, is with us. 651-989-9226. Or send us a text, 81807. Uh, Here is a text, by the way, then we'll get back to the phones. Uh, I have my potted amaryllis in full sun window. Is it too late to plant it outdoors before I put it in the dark? Or should I leave it? (laughs) That's a funny question. I was thinking of doing that too. You know, I'd put um you could if it's in full sun now, put it outside for a little while, give it give it a good maybe month outside and then bring it back in. Every little bit'll help. I think it'll really help boost the the energy of the bulb. Okay. Back to the phones we go. I see a line is open at 651-989-9226. Uh Bob is calling from Hopkins. Bob, you're on CCO with Teresa. Hi, Bob. Good morning. 
enjoy your show. Thank you. I think um, I have clematis wilt. The clematis vines grow about six feet tall, and just before the buds start to open, it suddenly will wilt, and within three, two or three days, it'll turn black. Yep. So my question is, I've read that the species is more resistant. Would it be reasonable to try the species, or would it be better to go with a totally different vine? You know, I'd, I'd try, the, try the species. Some of the clematis, um, and I don't know which varieties, some are very resistant to it. Some are really susceptible to clematis wilt. When you do plant your clematis, the the, what you need to do is plant it deeper like you do a tomato. So you need to to bury it like an extra two or three little buds down. So you want to bury some of those so it's a deeper. Then it gets a bigger root system, and you have a better chance of the crown um, still coming back. There are treatments like a Bordeaux mix that you can use, I believe, in the spring. It's a soil drench. Um, if you have clematis wilt, I would read the instructions on it to see exactly the application and how to do that. Uh, but some of the clematis are really resistant to it, and some just aren't. So just clean up what you can, and then yeah, the species is a real fun one to have. And that's the um, the Virgin's Bower. What was the name of the uh, treatment again? It's I believe it's a Bordeaux, like like Jack Farrell's wine. Like the only wine. it's not only it's not Jack Farrell's wine. Um, <laughs> so, so it's not the Haskell wine. It's good. it's called Bordeaux, and I believe I believe your your garden center should be able to help you with that. Oh, very good. <laughs> I hadn't heard that. All right, uh, we had a text uh, talking about Japanese beetles. Japanese beetles are now in Maple Plain, and they are in masses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's... there's there are a lot of beetles out there this year. Yeah. Texter says this, uh, Teresa, can you overwater newly planted evergreens? Oh, yes. You can. Yes, you can overwater anything. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest not doing that. Okay. Let's see. Who has been with? Sue is calling from Belle Plaine. Sue, you're on with Teresa. Hi, Sue. Hi. Just have a quick call, and thank you. I would like to know if I could still plant some string bean seeds and some beets. Sure. Go ahead and plant those out. Uh, Do the ones that have the shortest uh, ripening time, and your beets might not bulb up, but you'll get some great beet greens and maybe some baby beets under there. Yeah, oh, go ahead and do it. Very good. Off to Columbia Heights we go. Jane is there. Jane, you're on CCO. Hi, Hi I'm calling to find out when is the best time and method to thin out my ladies' mantle. It's kind of taking over my mm-hmm. garden, and the roots are so thick I need a butcher knife. Oh my goodness, they're so happy in there. The best time would be in the fall, early fall. So by that I mean uh, end of August into like the second or third week in September would be absolutely best time for that. Okay, very good. Thanks, Jane. Thanks. Let's uh, talk to Lorraine from Waldorf. Uh, Lorraine, you're on CCO with Teresa. Hi. Hi. Hello. Um, I am wondering, I have outdoor hibiscus that I transplanted two years ago from one house to the other house. They all came up really good. The first year they did fine. This winter I lost like four of them. But the ones that are starting to blossom now, they're all blossoming the same color. And they used to be, you know, dark pink and light pink and white. And now this year they're all the real light pink. Hmm. It could be the ones that only the only ones that survived were the light pink ones, uh, no, and also uh-uh. no, you didn't have any it, light no. pink ones. <laughs> okay, and then sometimes they do revert, so they they'll put down seeds, and those seeds are the ones that come back, and they turn more into the species or what one of the one of the parents was because they're hybridized. That does happen. Um, also, if your plants are kind of stressed, maybe they're getting a lot of water, too much water, that can sometimes fade some of the blooms. So, it, And if it's 
gets really, really, really hot, some of the plants can can react by having a f- more faded bloom. The, they just don't bloom as rich colors. The, the colors can be impacted by the strong sun, really hot weather, really lots of rain, really no lot, drought. So all of that can impact the colors of your flowers. All right. It's Thanks, quite, Lorraine. quite interesting. Yeah. Let's see. Who's next? Uh, Greg is calling from Brooklyn Park. Greg, you're on CCO. Thanks for calling. Hi, Greg. Yeah, hi there. See, um, I need to replenish some rock that I have in my around my house. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, I have plastic down there now, and I'm wondering if I can use fabric. Yep, the fabric would actually be better to use. Um, the fabric holds up a little longer than the plastic, and it does let the water and moisture through. So, And you do need to put something under the rocks so they don't work themselves into your soil. So fabric would be the choice to use, yes. All Good right, Oh, we've got our question about Creeping Charlie. We Excellent. haven't had that for a while. I haven't talked about Creeping Charlie when, for a while. When can I, the texter says, when can I treat for Creeping Charlie again? Um, you know, get the product that you're going to use and, and read the instructions. Usually after first little frost is a really good time to treat that um, because the plants then are signaled to, oh, you know, winter's coming. I better suck in a lot of sun energy to to pump up my roots and build the carbs in my roots so they grab the the poisons better and bring more into that so try try after the first frost when is the best probably time to cut back landscape plants uh, dogwoods spireas etc well it's like today or you forget about it until the plants have gone dormant or in the spring. And the reason I say that is when you cut back plants, when you're trimming your plants, it causes chemicals to say grow. And that's going to put on a lot of growth in the fall, and all that growth will not make it through the winter, and the plant may delay going into dormancy, and it's used energy that it should use for the winter to come out of of winter into the spring. It's used that to put on the new growth. So you don't want to be trimming anything. So, So like Really, literally today, this this weekend is your last time uh, to trim any of those woody plants. Um, otherwise, you do have to wait till they've gone dormant or trim them back in the spring. Here's another text, Teresa. It says, all of our hydrangeas are not blooming this year. What would be the reason? Well, it depends on what hydrangeas you have. Um, otherwise, make, there, it could have been uh, the sun uh, they ha- aren't getting enough sun anymore. If they've suddenly trees have grown and there's a lot more shade, they could use some fertilizer. Some of the hydrangeas are heavy feeders. Again, you would want to feed those right away if you need to. You don't want to do any more feeding, say, after, say, the 10th of August uh, for any of your perennial plants. I'd say August 1st, but we've already passed that, so I'll give you a pass on just this weekend, get it done. Um, that's what I would think for those guys. Uh, again, you haven't seen this, and it probably would take an arborist to check it out, but the, the texture says, Japanese beetles have decimated the leaves on my beautiful linden tree. Mm-hmm. Will the tree survive? How do I prevent this next year? Maybe. It depends. If your tree is healthy, most trees can stand being defoliated once. Uh, they can handle that. They don't like that every year because it takes a lot of energy to grow a new set of leaves. What you can do next year not much. Um, I would I would um, get the extension.umn.edu 
go there, check on the garden tab, go into the Japanese beetle page. There's not much you can really do um, except get your plants as healthy as possible. If you know you have grubs in the lawn, you can treat for grubs at the right time. However, the Japanese beetles can fly in from anywhere. So as long as we still have beautiful lawns and beautiful golf courses and we're doing a lot of monocrops, we're going to have this infestation. We have to wait till these populations build up. Eventually, the population will crash and yeah, and critters will come in that eat them. Um, I would also suggest bringing in as many birds into your landscape as possible. Well, that's a good idea. The birds, some of them are starting to eat the beetles or the starlings and things like that. So entice the birds in with some water features, bird baths, things like that. And that may help. All right. Good in luck. our last 60 seconds of the show, Teresa, the texter says, my petunias have stopped blooming. They get plenty of sun and water. Mm-hmm. Need to trim them back a little bit and um, and then just give them another little dose of fertilizer. Let's get another one in here. I have two foot-long tan-colored webs in flowering crab. What is living in them and will oh, they hurt my tree? Yeah, it's probably something like the webworms or the armyworms. I would either cut those out of your tree or um, rip them out. Um, you can't spray because the webbing is protecting the, the caterpillars, the tent caterpillars or the webworms in there. So you can you can cut them out. Um, so cut the branch of the apple tree and just throw that part away and then um, use a pruning sealer on it. Okay, and again, before we leave, uh, the website again. Extension.umn.edu. Very good. Thank you. Thanks, Teresa. Always great to have you in studio here. here. Thanks for your help. In the Twin Cities, mostly cloudy. Get those home improvement questions ready. Barry will be back in studio next hour here on CCO. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.